The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back, folks, to our next position evaluation show here on Big Blue View. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum and Nick Filato. As we did with the quarterback show, we are breaking down our takeaways from the season and our future expectations for the offseason NFL draft for every single New York Giants position group. Here, part of Big Blue View, as I said, folks, make sure you go and hit that subscribe button and leave us a review if you enjoy listening to the show. And head to BigBlueView.com for more Giants news and analysis. Today, we are talking running backs, which is a really interesting group to discuss because you have an ultra-talented guy like Saquon Barkley leading the way. Could have had a fantastic year, but his season is cut short just after a game and a few carries with a ACL injury against the Chicago Bears. Wayne Gallman then stepped up midway through the year, finished the year strong, and that leaves us with the perplexing question of does he stay, does he go, what is the role going to be for both of these guys? So guys, let's open things up here, start talking, and the one thing I wanted to address here first is will Saquon Barkley coming back in 2021 one lead to success running the football but the other thing too is are we going to see the same type of scheme that we saw in the second half here where it was a lot of inside rushing plays maybe that stuff changes Nick let's head to you first what do you think do you think Saquon is going to be coming back and and just as productive as Gallman and things might be a little bit different though I think just the addition of Saquon Barkley's explosiveness and his ability to generate explosive plays, which was one of the many Achilles heels of this Giants offense, will really help the 2021 Giants. I do feel if Jason Garrett is back, it's still going to be power gap. It's going to be similar types of concepts, which I actually think kind of work to the benefit of Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley in the inside zone of Pat Shermer, vision wasn't his his best trait, I think is safe to say. And he didn't really have that many chances because defenses were keying on him. There's no doubt about that either. But I think in this power gap scheme, which is incredibly physical, where he has a one designed hole that he's going to hit. Now you can always cut it back if another hole materializes, but you're really focused on that one hole. I think his explosive ability and second gear are really going to work wonders, especially when he gets into that hole and there's just one defender, that alley defender coming downhill, and it's this safety coming with momentum against Saquon Barkley and his agility and lateral ability and quickness. 
I think that could really help Saquon Barkley just have more explosive plays in that type of running scheme. I'm actually curious to see if you guys agree with me. I'm excited to see him. I was excited to see him in that scheme because we thought there would be more power gap with Jason Garrett coming over, and that ended up happening. We saw in that first Dallas game, uh, the Giants just roll out with a bunch of counters, and they and they just hit Dallas with counter, counter, counter. And Devonta Freeman did a really good job. But if I think that that was Saquon Barkley, it would have been it would have been something. And I'm willing to say, and I don't think this is a, a hot take by any means, but if Saquon Barkley never gets injured, I think the Giants win this division, and it's easy because I think all those really close games could be flipped by one breakout play from Saquon Barkley, which we've seen through the years. That's something that he's really capable of doing. So I, I really, I'm, I'm excited for him in this offense. Yeah, I I think that could happen, but it would have to take Barkley really buying into being a one-cut downhill runner, which has never really been his game, even going back to Penn State. You know, he was always really a, an improvisational runner, at least in my eyes, kind of, I was just thinking, he's almost like the Robin Williams of running backs where you give him the ball and then you just kind of see what happens. Now, obviously the running game between Pat Shermer and Jason Garrett is very different, very different blocking schemes. But he would always seem to be a guy who was looking for the better hole. He would dance around behind the line of scrimmage trying to make five different guys miss. Rather than picking up what what was there for him, he'd always be trying to hit that home run. And granted, it Plenty of times that did work out, but then he also would get caught behind the line of scrimmage, wind up running backwards, or have a phenomenal 20-yard run for a one-yard gain. So yeah, I think he really does have to commit to waiting for the blocks the blocks to establish and then following his blockers and hitting that one hole and using all of that explosiveness. Overall, Nick, I'm on the same page as you, though. I, I do really see that there's no reason to change up the scheme and the approach when you realize that there could be good success with a guy that's far less dynamic in Wayne Gallman. Gallman did a great job, but I think we can all agree here, Gallman's nowhere near the same level of explosive running back that Saquon Barkley is. That shouldn't be a hot take. I also agree with the sentiment that if you have him the whole year, a couple of gigantic run plays, like 60-yard rush plays, 50, 40-yard rush plays, that's enough to win you a division in some of these close games where where they lost early on in the year. But the big thing, talking about why what we saw for the second half and, and what was emphasized in the run game, I think a lot of that success just came from the offensive line being a little bit more consistent, a little bit more bought in, and more capable of running that power gap scheme. It, it was a lot less issues than what we saw in those first two games uh, against the Bears and the Steelers. There were no rushing lanes. There was nowhere to run the football. Daniel Jones was asked to do way more than he's capable of doing in those first two games, and that is what ultimately led to a lot of problems. But now, after having that final stretch of games under your belt, you you can now see that they're capable of doing that on a consistent basis. There's young guys in the group. Maybe Zeitler doesn't return. You're possibly getting back Nate Solder. There's a lot of mixed pieces in here, but regardless, I think that the offensive line performance, as it should always be with when talking about running backs, is going to be really key here that is going to be most important and right now they're trending upwards they have the momentum from this final stretch heading into 2021 yeah offensive line is huge and I think Chris brings up a valid point about Saquon Barkley and his propensity to bounce it outside but I I, I do feel this power gap when there is a design hole and you're and Saquon's a smart guy you're like look you're going to hit the five hole you're going to go off the back of the ass of the guard or what have you whatever whatever it is he can do that. And then once he gets past that 
if those blocks do materialize, which I think we're all confident that this offensive line has taken strides to where those blocks can be there most of the time. Once he gets to that second level, that's where it gets incredibly dangerous. And that's where I'm really excited. But Barkley, that's always been an issue of his. I mean, he played at Penn State where they lined up in the shotgun the majority of the times and he ran out of the shotgun, which is something that we saw Daniel Jones and Jason Garrett do this year. I think that will definitely benefit him as well. Something that he had a lot of success with at the college level, but he has to be a little bit more decisive. That's always been an issue for Saquon. It is. And I was going to say, and you know, just to kind of contrast, you know, that is absolutely not Wayne Gallman's issue. You know, he, he he is, I think there is an argument to be made that he is the most decisive and most efficient running back in the NFL. You know, he spends basically no time behind the line of scrimmage. You know, we saw that in the last game where he gets playing so fast, you know, that first fumble, it worked against him where he was already trying to hit the hole before he even had the ball secured. For the most part, that worked really well because he didn't have to wait all that long for blocks to materialize. He could get to the hole as it was opening before the defenders had a chance to come up and fill. And he would always have momentum to pick up three, four, sometimes five yards with about the same number of defenders on his back. And, you know, just something I noticed is that if you look at uh, NFL next gen stats at the most efficient running backs in the league, you know, Wayne Gallman is number is tops in the league, but then the backs behind him, uh, Ronald Jones out of Tampa Bay, Gus Edwards out of Baltimore, J.K. Dobbins out of Baltimore, uh, Latavius Murray out of New Orleans, David Johnson out of Houston, Devontae Booker out of Las Vegas, not playoff teams, but then you get Nick Chubb in Cleveland, Aaron Jones in Green Bay, Miles Gaskin in Miami, Jonathan Taylor in Indiana, Miles Sanders, Derrick Henry down in Tennessee. You know, those are all running backs on you know really good playoff caliber teams, and they all have that one thing in common where they don't waste time behind the line of scrimmage. They hit the hole hard and they hit it fast. Yeah, Wayne Gallman, I think overall, th- th- this is a really good takeaway to open up into now here. And, and this is what you're definitely getting at, Chris, is that Gallman was an unexpected top performer for that final stretch of games. And, and what we touched upon a little bit during the quarterback show is being able to run the football effectively became the identity of this offense. It was... A lot put on how well they ran the football and the best games and the games that they won were because they had really good rushing performances. And the biggest surprise that comes out of this is Wayne Gallman, a, a relatively underperforming guy in his first few years in the league. He's in a contract year and he steps in, takes over the load of carries despite them bringing in Devonta Freeman who inevitably gets hurt pretty quickly. He steps in. And he takes over the lion's share of carries. And in a bunch of these games, he has really, really good games. Not necessarily a 100-yard rushing games every single game. But when you brought him in in, in these goal line situations, he was able to, to hit pay dirt, get those touchdowns, pick up the tough yardage. Like I already mentioned earlier, not exactly the most dynamic and explosive guy, but he's just consistent. He, he was not the almost polar opposite of what we're used to seeing with Saquon, where Saquon will lose yards on one play and then pick up 15 on another. Instead, it was Gallman for three, four yards, and then when the, the hole opened up, he'd pick up 10. But that was really the that was the cap of what we were going to get with Wayne Gallman. It's good to have that. It's consistent, but it's not explosive to a point where you can really buy into that as a long-term solution. Yeah, I think that's fair with Wayne Gallman. I mean, this year he averaged, what, 4.6 yards per carry, had 682 yards on the ground with 147 
carries and six touchdowns. Like you said, that 4.6, that's kind of, that's a good number to have, no doubt. But we saw Wayne Gallman when he did get an edge and broke into the secondary and had a square path towards the end zone. He gets tracked down by Jamal Adams, who's a quick and very good defender for sure, but he's not one of those home run type of players. But I mean, I still think what he gives this roster, if it's, if the money is right, I mean, I think a lot of Giant fans would love to have Wayne Gallman back. Yeah, I would definitely be one of them. You know, I, you know, I think we'll get into after the commercial break, you know, the brass tacks of that side of things. But I think Gallman does give you a lot of what you're ideally looking for from a running back. I mean, explosiveness is great, but consistency, the ability to stay on schedule as an offense, to stay ahead of the chains, you know, that's what he brought at Clemson and he was finally able to play like that. You know, the the areas where I think the running game is most necessary, you know, most useful, its best way to try to advance the football is short yardage and in the red zone. And those are the areas where Gallman excelled. You know, he we saw he was very difficult to stop in short yardage situations, you know, because he would hit the hole so hard and he would have so much momentum. And I don't know what that dude squats, but it wouldn't surprise me if he was getting close to four digits because he could carry pretty much anybody the defense threw at him. And then, you know, in the red zone, he'd say he had six touchdowns. All six came in the red zone, you know, less than 20 yards out. And he only had 19 red zone carries last year. So that's basically a touchdown every three carries. That is honestly really pretty impressive. All right, now we're going to transition our focus to discussing our expectations for the offseason. Before we do, folks, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Well, as you can expect, we talked a ton about Wayne Gallman more than anybody else. It's a bit of an odd mix besides Wayne Gallman, Alfred Morris, 
uh, stepped in out off the practice squad and played a few games. You had Deion Lewis, who was a free agent last year, who did some okay things, but not exactly a name that needs to be talked about in full depth. But the big question that we now have to address is, does Wayne Gallman end up coming back to this Giants team? And right now he's expected to be a free agent. And ultimately for me, guys, the thing that, and we were discussing this before we got hopped on the show here, the big thing for me is I think in a perfect world, Wayne Gallman comes back. He's willing to take a smaller contract because he understands he's a backup running back. He's not going to earn big running back money despite having a good stretch of games through the final few games this year. However, what's probably going to end up happening is that Gallman and his agent are going to be realistic enough heading into this offseason to know he's not going to command top running back money. However, his expectations, and I think their goal is going to be finding a team where he's probably going to get more touches and more opportunities to get the football. A team, which we see a lot now, a lot of these teams are running multiple running backs in a rotation, and different guys are having big games like a Green Bay Packer type team. And teams that are like that with new head coaches are going to seek out somebody like Wayne Gallman to be that secondary player in their rotation. Inevitably, if that ends up happening and that opportunity arises, I really don't see how Wayne Gallman comes back to this team. Honestly, me neither. And you know, that's kind of what I was getting at before the commercial break. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't think the uh, the money will be a, a tremendous issue. The Giants don't have a whole lot of cap space right now, but they can make cap space. They can manipulate contracts. They can cut some aging and underperforming veterans, and they can free up a decent chunk of change. Even though I think the running back split could, probably could go as high as you know sixty percent of the carries go to Barkley, forty percent go to Gallman. Realistically, Saquon Barkley is going to take pretty much every snap. He is healthy and able to do, you know, not fatigued for. So that doesn't leave a whole hell of a lot for Wayne Gallman next year, and. He's going to want, you know, even if he winds up taking a short-term contract, you know, maybe a, a, a prove-it deal to show that this year wasn't a fluke, he's going to want to touch the football. You know, he, he got a taste of that. He, he doesn't want to go back to the bench. I mean, who would? That's an excellent point. I, I do feel Wayne Gallman is going to do what's in the best interest for Wayne Gallman, but I think an interesting wrinkle to kind of think about is other free agent running backs that are going to be out there because there are s- several top end guys, but let's think of people more in the realm of a Wayne Gallman. You're going to have guys like Jamal Williams. You're going to have guys like James Conner. You're going to have guys like Chris Carson. There's going to be several free agents that could possibly hit that could also alter Wayne Gallman to be like, you know what? I'm going to go with what's safe, sign a team-friendly deal. I like Joe Judge. I like what's going on here. And if there isn't necessarily a spot that is going to, no one's going to throw money at Wayne Gallman, but a spot that's going to give Wayne Gallman the security and the money that he wants along with the opportunity, he could end up staying. But I I think ultimately in the end, he's probably going to end up leaving and going to like both of you guys already suggested a team where he can probably get more opportunities because with a healthy Saquon I don't know how much opportunity is going to be there for you there Wayne (laughs) and and ultimately I think some teams and you mentioned some of those bigger names those guys are probably going to be looking for some bigger contracts and we saw what happened for a guy like Devonta Freeman who bet on himself assumed he was going to get a good deal doesn't really end up making anywhere in striking distance of the money he was looking for If teams are looking for a cheaper option that's willing to come in and, again, be that second guy in the rotation, maybe take over the command of touches if you don't have a solidified running back situation, 
maybe you go and take a chance on a guy like Wayne Gallman because he's going to be relatively cheap. And the other thing, too, that I kind of want to throw into the mix here is you also have to pay Saquon Barkley very, very soon. So that's also going to be in the back of the, uh, the minds of Dave Gettleman for however much longer he's here with the Giants. Do they decide to or do they try to protect that situation and save as much money for the running back position for Saquon Barkley, I think that ultimately values more than re-signing a a guy like Wayne Gallman because you're going to want as much money as possible considering how much money we're seeing go to guys like Derrick Henry and also to uh, to Dalvin Cook this past offseason. You can throw Joe Mixon in there. It's going to cost a lot of money to keep Saquon Barkley, so they're going to need any dime that they can get, especially with the cap closing down on them. Yeah, and that's the other thing for even just this year. You know, right now the Giants have the sixth highest spending at the running back position, and that's with just two guys under contract. Uh, I believe Saquon Barkley is about the yeah he is the fourth highest paid running back in the NFL for 2021. Now that's before you know any potential new contracts, but I don't really think the market is going to get shifted at the running back position in a year where they cap is going to shrink I, I just don't see that happening so Barkley will probably go in and in the top five of running back contracts so that that makes re-signing Wayne Gallman to even a team-friendly deal you know he's probably not going to resign for vet minimum so you know he's probably going to want I would guess somewhere between two and three million dollars a year which you know that's I don't think that's an unfair amount to pay him but you know bumping that 10 million up to 12 13 when the Giants also have to make decisions about Dalvin Tomlinson and Leonard Williams and you know maybe try to find an edge rusher somewhere and find a wide receiver somewhere you know the economics of it are you know really tough so the last piece I want to add in here of and we clearly all believe that we don't think Wayne Gallman is going to be coming back but the, the the conversation we now have is what direction do they go if Gallman does not return? Alfred Morris was fun while, while we had him here on the Giants, but I don't think that's a long-term solution. Same thing with Deion Lewis. Very clearly has lost his step because he's on the wrong side of 30. I honestly believe that this is going to be a year for them in their draft approach that come early day three, they're probably going to take a running back. This is an opportunity a few years into Saquon's contract spend uh, not a lot of money on drafting somebody that is not going to be a very committed contract, not a very expensive contract. And there's an interesting group of guys, I think, in that early day three conversation that could be on the radar for the Giants. And some of the guys that that stood out to me and and just kind of going through some of the consensus um, prospect rankings, Kylan Hill from Mississippi State, Jared Patterson from Buffalo, I think is an interesting name, Trey Sermon from Ohio State, depending on how he does during this draft process, and then Elijah Mitchell. Are you guys on the same page with me that, that it seems like it makes a lot of sense for some time, maybe early day three or just day three in general, that they should address this backup running back spot and get somebody explosive, somebody fun, somebody young that is going to work into this rotation, not work into the rotation, but be a secondary option for Saquon if one, something bad happens or two, if he needs a breather. I don't think the Giants should force that. And they only have six draft picks right now. But if it's somebody that they're high on, then yes. I mean, I never really believed that. And I'm sure you guys probably agree that general manager should force a position just for that. It has to always come down to the individual, the player. And the Giants are sitting there right now. They have the 11th pick, the 42nd, 76th, 107. And I'm a little hesitant with that 107 pick. But again, it depends on the running back and who's available. And then they don't pick again until 172. And then they have the Cardinals pick at 177. So. 
we saw Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge and that pairing get a lot of value out of their day three picks. So I want them to just better the roster. And if that happens to be a running back, then excellent. But we can also kind of look at some of the running backs this year, like James Robinson, who was wasn't even drafted. He was an undrafted guy. And some of these guys you can get from smaller schools who can kind of come in and make an impact as a running back that go undrafted. And you can also go in that direction. I think that's an option as well. Obviously, you're rolling the dice a little bit, but I do believe that 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 should be considered just because the Giants do have some holes on this roster that they need to patch up. Yeah. I think a late round pick or, you know, priority free agent, you know, maybe use that uh, one of those one of those two real late round picks on a guy you you think might wind up being a free agent, but stake your claim on him. I think that's the way the Giants should go if there's value there. However, I have been just idly wondering lately if it might not be a higher priority inside the building than we might anticipate here on the outside. You know, what, what happens if, say, all of the top four re- receiving threats are taken in the top in the first 10 picks. The Giants still absolutely need to address their offense. They need to, you know, they cannot go in scoring, you know, a fraction of a point more than the Jets next year. So maybe running back could wind up being a higher priority. And maybe, and I'm maybe poking the bear just a little bit with this one. Maybe we should keep our eye, our eye on Travis Etienne early. Oh, yeah, you're, you're doing more than poking the bear there, Chris. Oh, my God. But <laughs> there is a track record here. Oh, no. Dave Gettleman <laughs> did take Christian McCaffrey high. He drafted Saquon Barkley second overall. He drafted uh, Curtis Samuel, I believe, in the second round. Yeah. And you know, those are all guys who are, we'll say, explosive offensive weapons. Yeah, They do more than just run the football. And you know, Travis Etienne, he is that kind of guy he is really at his best out on the edges if you can get him the ball in space you know he is not a eye formation lineup you know with a fullback and you know four yards in a cloud of dust type dude twitter would explode chris <laughs> oh I, I am absolutely sure and hey twitter exploding is a fin- it is a fantastic pastime just get yourself some popcorn and watch the takes and honestly, Chris, if, if they were to go in that direction, I wouldn't even think they should go running back. They should just go with someone like Kadarius Tony if they want to add somebody who's just incredibly explosive and has, quote unquote, Tyreek Hill type of vibes. You know, that always gets thrown around. But Tony is somebody who does have that electrifying playmaking ability. And it, it's he's not the similar. I wouldn't say he's a, the same prospect as Curtis Samuel by any means, but it's a similar type of style that they both have. If that's if Dame Gettleman doesn't side Curtis Samuel in free agency, of course. <laughs> Right, right. I, I mean, that's definitely an interesting take, Chris. Uh, I'm going to say that I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I agree a little bit more with, with Nick's approach here that there are some explosive receivers that can be used in a number of different ways that might be uh, a little bit more beneficial than maybe going early with another running back. And the other thing, too, you keep hearing Curtis Samuel's name already uh, as a possible free agent signing just based on the Gettleman connection based on the fact that the Giants need receivers. So that ultimately would not shock me either as being an option for the Giants to go in that direction. That's going to be it from us on this running back evaluation show. We are going to move on to receivers next week. And then later in the week, Chris and I started off our draft prep. We started talking about the corner group. So make sure you tune into that. That is going to be on Thursday. Thursday.
Also, please hit that subscribe button. Stay up to date on all of our podcasts. Uh, head to BigBlueView.com for more news and analysis. And we'll talk to you on Thursday, folks.